Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Feisty, fearless, and fair. Telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. Well, President Trump came out swinging in his first interview since the arraignment by Alvin Bragg. And we're going to talk about Alvin Bragg's lawsuit now against Jim Jordan. He is going after Jim Jordan, basically saying that the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee has no standing, that he has no right to be subpoenaing not only Bragg, but also his former colleague, Mark Parmerantz. And what do you think of that? I actually think that Bragg should be answering questions to the House committee. If he has nothing to hide, why not? He is saying it is a big old reach, that it is a big old stretch, and that it is basically intimidation. Is it intimidation or is it doing a service to the American public? You could make the case that basically Alvin Bragg just is trying to avoid a subpoena, not just for himself, but also, again, for his former colleague, Mark Parmerantz, who wrote the book where he basically said, I can't believe Alvin Bragg so far at that point had not indicted President Trump. Basically, he doesn't agree with President Trump's ideology and can't understand why he hasn't been stopped and basically said that we have to stop him, that it's a matter of sort of civilization almost, if you will. And so Alvin Bragg has now decided, well, he's above the law, that he does not have to respond to any of his subpoenas. He doesn't want his former colleague, the former prosecutor, who was there in the DA's office with Alvin Bragg, Mark Pomerantz, who was critical of him, again at the time because he had not done the subpoena. And so he's trying to block him from testifying. He's basically saying that it is an overreach, that it is a stretch in every which way but loose. And so as we're looking at all of this, President Trump is coming out swinging and saying that everything right now is one big old mess. I want to play. This is cut 32. And this is where President Trump was asked just a little bit ago on Fox News. And he basically described all these lawsuits coming at him because there's another one this week with Attorney General Letitia James, by the way, who's going after him on business issues and also his family as well. And he basically described it. I love this analogy as the old Soviet style. Basically, they find a person, and then they make up a crime, and then they continue to kind of flood you with different lawsuits and different allegations and tie you up in court and hopefully try to make you, quote, broke. And, in fact, it was interesting because President Trump just a few minutes ago said there's basically nobody out there 
that could handle the kind of barbs and slings and arrows that he is dealing with. That is just not possible. And he said, I cannot imagine another candidate trying to deal with what I'm trying to deal with right now. And listen again to his old Soviet analogy. I love this one. So they're trying to prevent you from making it to the general election by tying you up in lawsuits, charging you with crimes. You've described the process. The old Soviet process. The old Soviet process. Old Soviet process. Boy, oh boy. It's actually a pretty good analogy. It's like, find me the man and then I'll find a crime and I'll just kind of keep bombarding him and keep bombarding him. And Trump's point is that the average individual could not withstand the financial and the psychological and all the different barbs coming at him. And actually, you know, to be honest with you, I agree with President Trump. What other individual running for office, first of all, in American history right now, can you think of anybody in modern times that's had to deal with all the barbs and all the slings and arrows and the fact that now you have an Alvin Bragg out there who is flooding it with 34 different felony counts and then says, oh, no, I don't have to respond to a subpoena. I'm above the law. I don't have to answer to anybody. Um, And then also is dealing with, of course, the classified documents that, of course, is dealing with Georgia, then is dealing with Letitia James. They're just thinking, if gosh, if we can have him like testifying every single day of the week, maybe somehow we can get him off the campaign trail. Is it pretty transparent to you? Because it sure seems pretty transparent to me. 1-800-848-9222. And take a listen. This is what President Trump said just a little bit ago on Fox News. He basically said, you know what? Yeah, there are a lot of problems going on in the world. You got China. You got Russia. You got Iran. You got a lot of things going on. But he said, you know what? His biggest concern is what's happening in this country. Take a listen. They said to me the other day, one of your fellow journalists said, uh, who's the biggest problem, sir? Is it China? Could it be Russia? Could it be North Korea? No, I said, the biggest problem is from within. It's these sick, radical people from within. Because we can handle, if we're smart, we can handle Russia, China. I did. I took in billions and billions, hundreds of billions of dollars from China. No other president took in anything, and they respected me. He's the same thing, you know. I told him, you can't go into Taiwan. You can't. You can't do it. I won't tell you exactly what I said, but it was something that probably a lot of people wouldn't like if they heard it. But it was very tough. Don't go into Taiwan. If you do, we're going to have problems. Other than that, we're going to be great relationship. We're going to have a great relationship. And he said to me when I said, we're going to do something, if he goes in, no, 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 you wouldn't do it. I'll do that. I swear I'll do that. And he didn't believe me, but he believed me 10%. The same thing with Putin. I said I was going to do something really nasty if he goes into Ukraine. He said, no, no, you're not going to do that. I said, I will. And he didn't believe me either, but he believed me 10%. And the 10%, you never heard talk about going into Ukraine. You never heard talk about going into Taiwan until I was no longer there. Now... What a mess the world is in. What a mess. What a mess. And he says the problems are from within. His biggest concerns are the problems that are happening within America right now and the individuals within America that he believes are bringing down American values. What are your thoughts? 
after hearing President Trump. He also talked about how he's very worried about what's happening with Russia, China, the sort of new world order, if you will, that China is creating with the Saudis and so many others. And he basically said, this would not have happened under my watch. You just heard what he said. It's at 10 percent. He said often China would say, hey, we're thinking about doing this. We're thinking about going into Taiwan. And he would come back and say, oh, you're not going to do that because if you do that, we'll do this. And he says that China was always worried about that 10 percent chance that he might do what he was suggesting he might do. And he said the same thing with Russia, that they feared him. They were worried about him. They were worried also about what the U.S. might would do, that it was a very strong sort of message. And it was a message where they respected him and they worried what he would do. And he says right now we have a president that they are not worried about. And that is a huge concern for the world. What are your thoughts, everybody, after hearing him and him basically saying it is, quote, like the old Soviet style where they go after an individual and then you basically make up charges, trump up charges, do whatever you can to basically create, uh, I guess, a cavalcade of charges against somebody. So they're sort of snowed under charges just coming at you from every different direction. I will agree that they're definitely trying that strategy. And then the question is, could anybody else have handled this? I mean, honestly, and do you think it would get any better if suddenly you replace the name with Ron DeSantis versus a Trump? Do you honestly think that the Democrats would stop? They would try to find something that Ron DeSantis did. Maybe he jaywalked when he was 15. Who knows where this is going? 1-800-848-9222, 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Dom in Minnesota, online too. Dom, your thoughts about all this. Rita, what a night. You know, Joe and Hunter are headed off to Ireland. Looks like the Grinch and his sidekick, Max, are about to steal America's Christmas and go yuck it up in Ireland. You know, after getting the finger from China's President Xi, Saudi Arabia's MBS, and Francis Macron, they're going to Ireland to recharge their psycho psyches to make the best of their remaining time in the White House. <laughs> you know, so you know, you know, you know, you know, Dom, I, I have to ask you, you know, what's an interesting point. I was surprised that Hunter was going with dear old dad to Ireland, especially first off. Gosh knows why he's going to Ireland. I do understand it's the it's the anniversary, which was a historic day, uh, 25 years uh, of peace, which is a great thing in Ireland um, and obviously for the world, I think. So I think it's an important moment. But the point is that with all these things going on and the leaks and China and Russia and, and again, all these things that are coming out, there's just so many things going on. It's like, why is he over in Ireland right now? I mean, he could be doing a salute or something honoring them or doing something in the United States. And also Hunter going. By the way, it comes out. I don't know if you saw this, Dom, that it just came out recently uh, that Hunter, apparently his business partners, four of them, uh, vice president and two assistants at Hunter Biden's now defunct firm, visited the White House more than 80 times when his father was vice president In the Obama administration, 80 times. And Biden still wants us to believe he's never met his son's business partners. And Hunter going over there 
To me, that is such a slap in the face uh, when he knows that the whole world is watching Hunter Biden right now. There are so many questions about him. He knows he's got a GOP committee. And it's interesting. Hunter was first at the Easter egg roll, remember, on Monday. Uh, and now he's on the flight to Ireland. Isn't that a little weird, Dom, the timing? It's like he's kind of like it's almost like a like a slap in the face, like, ah, ha, ha, you haven't got me yet. What What are your thoughts about that, Dom? Well, Rita, I have absolutely no problem because going to Ireland is on my bucket list. But here's a warning to all the Irish pubs. And by, the, and by the way, it is a beautiful place. I give you that, Dom. It is. It is. <laughs> Because, you you know, here's a warning to all the Irish pubs. You better hide your Guinness and your Parmesan cheese before Max gets you in trouble with the Grinch. I think it was Sigmund, I think it was Sigmund Freud, the, you know, the, the psychologist who said psychoanalysis never works on the Irish. That explains everything about Joe and Hunter's trip to Ireland. You know, I, on a serious note, I saw Tucker's interview with Trump, and I'm now more convinced than ever that we need him to at least run in 2024. Win or lose. He will dramatically reshape the conversation about China, Russia, and our own government's criminal attitude towards fentanyl crisis. That's killing the future generations of Americans in front of our eyes. So, you know, I'm sorry I forgot. Uh, I did say that he's going to sanction the cartels into submission. That's what Biden said. So we can go live from Saturday night. It's the cartels. (laughs) <laughs> well, listen, I'd love if he even used the word cartel because it seems like he doesn't know what the word cartel means. It seems like he doesn't know what the word border means, mm-hmm. um, you know, and just even hearing like you just said, um, it was refreshing to hear somebody uh, and to hear a president, um, a former president and maybe potential future one um, talk about security, talk about how it's important to play tough with our adversaries. Talk about also protecting the homeland, like you brought up the border. Um, it was refreshing. And I thought about how sad is that, that it's refreshing, because that should be the normal conversation from the president of the United States. But it sadly is refreshing compared to the rhetoric we have heard of late, which is astounding. Dom, thank you. We love you. Always great to talk with you. And I have been to Ireland just briefly, and it's definitely worth the trip. It is a beautiful place. Although I don't think Biden nor Hunter should be there right now. We'll continue with your calls, everybody, after the break. What do you make of the fact that now Alvin Bragg, the Manhattan DA, is going on the offense and basically trying to stop Jim Jordan's committee, the GOP committee, from the subpoena, asking a judge to intervene. So Bragg and also other associates there at the DA's office, hopefully he's hoping, don't have to testify. Of course, the American public deserves answers. We hope he does. 1-800-848-9222. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. So President Trump was asked, what was it like for him to return to New York, uh, the city that he built so many spectacular buildings in? And, of course, his father, too, as well, with the Trump Organization over the years and his kids also at the helm with him. What was it like for him to return for the arraignment? And he said, you know what? Obviously, he felt it was politically motivated, the arraignment and everything that Alvin Bragg is doing, he believes. But he also said that he got a warm response 
from a lot of the people at the courthouse, that a lot of the court workers and a lot of the police officers actually were very emotional to see him especially become the first president in American history to be charged criminally, clearly by a politically motivated DA, 34 felony counts. And take a listen. This is really interesting. He said he got a very emotional reaction from a number of people there at the Manhattan courthouse. Take a listen to how he described what they did. Those people are phenomenal. Those are your police. Yep. Those are the people that work at the courthouse. They're unbelievable people. Uh, many of them were in tears or close to it. Uh, many apologists were sorry, sir. We're sorry. They had to have me do certain things. They said, sir, I, I can't believe I have to ask you. I can't even believe that I have to ask you to do it. You could see. So in one sense, it was beautiful because they get it. Uh, in another sense, you know, it's nasty. I went to the Wharton School of Finance. They didn't teach me about that. That wasn't they, like they in didn't the know about the no, arraignment that part. They, that wasn't. That wasn't. We didn't have a class on arraignment. <laughs> and uh, you know, it's, it was a sad day in many ways, and in many days, ways, it was a beautiful day. A sad day and a beautiful day. And he said that some of the workers were actually crying. They were so emotional at what was happening to President Trump. Your thoughts about all this, you guys, as you're listening to The Rita Cosby Show. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Al uh, on Line 6. Al, your thoughts. Yeah, hi, Rita. Thanks for taking my call. You know, I just wanted to say, you know, in regards to what the president had to go through, uh, it was a terrible situation having to come back to Manhattan in those circumstances. And I just wanted to say, you know, I, I heard your show tonight, uh, Cats and Cosby, and I just wanted to touch on what's going on with the world. Uh, like Secretary Pompeo said, things are uh, we're living in a dangerous world right now. Yeah, by the way, uh, he, he also believes that, uh, you know, China and these others are really ramping up because of a, quote, lack of leadership. Your thoughts on that? That's right. And, you know, tonight I saw President Trump and he, he came out and he said in his meetings with uh, uh, President Chu of China that, you know, these adversaries are very intelligent people. You can't underestimate them. Uh, you see what they're trying to do right now in the waters out right outside of the uh, Taiwan. So, you know, we have to be prepared because day by day as things are going on, things are getting worse. And we need leadership at the top, which is lacking in America. And hopefully, we, we saw two great people today, on uh, again, on Katz and Cosby, Secretary Pompeo, uh, President Trump today, uh, former President Trump on Tucker Carlson. These are two people I wish were in that role today, because you don't know what tomorrow will bring. Yeah, you know, uh, Al, you hit on a very important point, because... You're right. There are so many things going on in the world right now. And you need somebody who the world, A, respects, and you need somebody who the world listens to. And you also need somebody who understands the dynamics in the world and can say to, uh, you know, a President Xi of China, uh, who seems to be heading towards trying to be the world dominant power and ramping up all these sort of alliances. And look at all the leaks, too. Look at all those leaks that were coming out of the Defense Department. I mean, those are downright frightening. Uh, the thing that Egypt was apparently trying to sell, as we know, tens of thousands of rockets. I mean, that is a frightening premise behind our back to Russia. 
Egypt says they weren't, but the document shows otherwise. Uh, We'll see if it turns out to be true. But there are a lot of sensitivities, and you really need a leader right now because the world is in a lot of chaos. We're going to continue your calls, everybody, talking about Trump, Bragg, and more after the break. Stay with us. You're listening to The Rita Cosby Show. The Rita Cosby Show. The Rita Cosby Show presents Back the Blue. And in tonight's Back the Blue segment, a powerful story coming from San Antonio, Texas, where a student was choking on his food when he was able to flag down an officer, Officer Leticia Sanchez, for critical help during a lunch rush. Now, the district there in San Antonio says that Officer Sanchez quickly jumped into action and performed the life-saving Heimlich maneuver, clearing the student's airway. Officer Sanchez says it was a very scary situation to see the young student choking and approach me desperately for help. I knew I had to act fast to help young David. Performing the Heimlich Maneuver for the first time and seeing David take a breath again was such a relief. It is part of my job, but I'm grateful that he trusted in me to help him. And once he was breathing on his own, Sanchez escorted him to the nurse's office to make sure he was okay. He is said to be doing fine. And, of course, the officer thankful that she was there at the right time. And it is a great example of all the different things And very tough things that our officers do every single day for young and old. By the way, later on also in the show, we're going to be talking about the Louisville bank shooting um, and give you an update on that officer who, of course, lunged towards the gunman at the bank. The other officer who took him out and the two hero cops, uh, both of them, of course, were injured. One seriously, one in very critical condition. We're going to give you the latest on that and also new details on the shooting as well. That's going to be coming up in the next hour, and you definitely want to stay tuned for that. Meantime, as we are talking about justice and law and order, well, Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg is now coming out swinging. He is actually suing Republican Jim Jordan to stop what Bragg calls an unconstitutional attack on the ongoing criminal prosecution of former President Trump, Donald Trump. So this is really interesting. The lawsuit basically is trying to block a subpoena, uh, not only of Bragg, but of also Mark Pomerantz, who was a former prosecutor who led the Manhattan DA's office. And he came out in a book not too long ago, and this is before Bragg was apparently uh, starting his full throttle investigation in terms of the indictment, you know, issuing a grand jury, all of that stuff, but had been looking into Trump and sort of put it aside, apparently. And so Pomerantz was out there publicly saying, why did he put it aside? We got to stop Donald Trump. You got to remember also Bragg came out in a campaign. Remember a campaign during the whole uh, when he was running said, my first mission is to get Trump, not to go after crime on the streets of New York, not to stop people that are pushing people on the subway and other problems. Believe me, New York has skyrocketing crime and lots of problems. No, no, no. It is not that. Basically, the focus is get Trump. And so that alone should really be, I think, a lot of grounds, basically, to go after Alvin Bragg and the credibility of this investigation. You could bet that Trump's attorneys will indeed do just that. 
And so now Bragg is trying to fight any subpoena, any investigation of his office, saying that Congress has no justification for it. By the way, he did say that a couple thousand dollars were used of federal funds. And that may have opened the door for Congress to say, hey, we do have justification. First of all, they could say, well, it's a rogue prosecutor. There are some problems. And second of all, with the funding that came from federal funds, that may have allowed them to have some justification to also have oversight here. So it's a fascinating case. And I want to hear your thoughts as to where it goes. It's kind of interesting because Bragg just came out swinging, basically saying that Jim Jordan is being political, that it is, quote, unconstitutional, it is not appropriate, Um, really kind of came out swinging in a whole bunch of different ways, saying, quote, of an unprecedented, brazen, unconstitutional attack by members of Congress on an ongoing New York State criminal investigation and the investigation of former President Donald Trump. Well, Trump tonight himself said that clearly Bragg is politicized. He used the expression, as I told you, uh, the old Soviet process. That's what the Democrats are trying to do is beat him down and try to give in. And he says, I'm never going to give in. I'm never giving in and I'm never giving up. This is all politics. And I'm the only guy basically who could handle it. He repeated that tonight. And he also said that the policy, we were just talking about some of the policies that are coming out right now. Uh, Alex had just said, who had just called into the show here, was talking about what a scary time this is in the world. There are so many issues going on, whether it be China, whether it be border, whether it be Russia, Ukraine. What about the way that we pulled out of Afghanistan? Well, President Trump called that one of the worst moments probably ever in American history. This is what he said just a little bit ago. Afghanistan, one of the worst things I've ever seen. I think the most embarrassing moment that this country has ever had, frankly, the way we got out, not the getting out. We had to get out. It was ridiculous to be there. And I had that so good, so tight, so tough. I spoke to the leader, Abdul. I said, Abdul, if you do anything, you're going to get hit really hard. Literally, I even, he said, but so why, why? He goes, why, oh, why do you send me a picture of my house? I said, you'll have to figure that one out, Abdul. But we didn't have one death in 18 months. He knew, not one death. And then to see the way we got out, like we were surrendering, like taking the military out first, leaving $85 billion worth of equipment behind, giving up Bagram. I was going to keep Bagram. I was getting out, but I, not for Afghanistan. It's one hour away from where China makes its nuclear weapons. It's one of the biggest Air Force bases in the world, I think the biggest, with runways that go 10,000 feet. I was keeping that because of China, not because of Afghanistan. Right. And they, they left everything. They, they left in the dark of night. They left the lights on. They left the dogs, by the way. You know, the people they say left about the dogs. The dog. They left the dogs and they left billions of dollars of U.S. equipment. And he brought up an interesting point about why it was important to keep Bagram, because it's so closely located to China. And that there was a lot of strategic advantage. He said, I never would have abandoned Bagram, that that was a huge mistake. And obviously pulling out U.S. troops before you pulled out Americans and our allies, he said, that just does not make any sense. He said, I talked to like a two-year-old <laughs> and a two-year-old basically would say, that is not the way to do it. And he further said that if he had been in office, the pullout would have happened, but it would have happened a lot differently. Take a listen. Everybody knows 
That was their plan. That had nothing to do with me. I was getting out, too. We would have gotten out with strength and dignity. And what happened? They got out. And the other day I hear, yeah, it was uh, Trump's fault. Oh, that's right. It was Trump. Trump. I was gone for a long I would have been out faster than them. We would have had all the equipment. We would have had the American citizens. We left hostages. We left Americans behind. Many. I think many more than you think. Uh, and we had 13 soldiers killed. And nobody ever mentions the fact that we had many maimed so badly. No arms, no legs. Their face was obliterated. This is the way this guy got out. We would have gotten out with dignity and strength. We were going to. And he further said that if he was president right now, he believes, again, that Russia and Ukraine would not be at war. He says that, believe me, he would have laid it in to Putin. And he thinks that Putin clearly saw a green light from this current president with the, quote, minor incursion and all that other stuff. Take a listen to how he described the situation right now in Russia, Ukraine, vis-a-vis Biden. When I see what happens, when I see the level of stupidity, and because of that, it's all a big web. Because of that, I think Putin, who would have never gone into Ukraine when I was there, would have never, I talked to him about it often, would have never, ever done that. When he saw that I wasn't there and he saw these fools, these stupid people, and think of that, the way they left Afghanistan, and nobody was fired. And nobody was fired. And we do know that so far, nobody has been held accountable. Boy, what a different view of the world and a different handling of world politics, especially as we look at all the other things that are going on right now. Uh, Think about on the foreign policy front. Again, all these terrible leaks that are happening uh, that are just causing chaos all over the world. Think about China. Uh, doing all their exercises around Taiwan. Think about an open border where millions upon millions have been crossing. Yeah, there's a lot of things going on right now. And Trump says a lot of it is all tracing back to Biden's absolute weakness as president. What are your thoughts, everybody? 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Jerry uh, on line two. Jerry, your thoughts about this? Yeah, Trump has to use in the election the idea that this is the swamp like he did before, but he has to make it a main point that these people are criminal and they never want to have another honest election. And we're going to need this time in all of the big cities and all of the major swing states. We're going to need many lawyers, many uh, security for those lawyers and for videographers and et cetera. And we're going to have to be ready to appeal any uh, bad elections or irregular elections because the elections of 2020 and 2022 are highly irregular. There is a problem. And if you don't believe that it's irregular or something is not right with what's going on behind the scenes and what they're doing, then look at what they're doing to Trump right now. And it tells you they're willing to do it in the next election. They are not going to lose the next election unless we really pay attention to them with lawyers ready to appeal immediately with security people and with um, uh, just videographers and recorders and got to get the judges immediately. By by the way, Jerry, what did you make of Trump saying tonight? um, It's sort of the old Soviet style process, like, show me the man and I'll show you the crime. You know, that's uh, that's what he feels like is happening to him. It is worse than that because everyone knew 
even the people in the Soviet Union actually knew. They were smart enough and intelligent enough to know. Here, we actually have uh, a large portion, particularly our younger population, who has no historical reference. They were not taught anything but mush. Their water brains when they're under about 35 years old. And they don't have an understanding of where we're going with this. And they're not going to like the result in years to come. That energy deal, that green energy deal, we have AOC, a young kid bartender. Uh, yeah, we're going her way. The whole world economy is collapsing. Why? Because of energy costs. have driven inflation through the roof across the whole world. And by the way, Jerry, we could have been not only energy independent, we could have been energy abundant. And think about how much money, A, we would be making, uh, B, also, think about how much money uh, we would be making not only to keep ourselves uh, doing well, but selling to our allies. And we could have been squeezing Russia so bad. And now, because Russia is still selling oil, uh, guess what? They're selling it at a cheap price to China. They're selling it to other people. Um, and that's funding their war machine. So we could have squeezed Russia so bad right now. And we could have been so energy dominant, and yet we are in such a dismal situation. And I think you hit it on the head. I think so much of it goes back to just a catastrophic policies of this president. And I think so much of it oil-related at the root of it. it. Things would have been so different if he had just basically stayed in the basement and just kept Trump's policies, especially when it came to that. one eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Let me go to Phil. Uh, Phil, your thoughts about this, my friend. Go ahead, Phil. Good evening, Rita. Um, basically, it's a simple fact that the House of Representatives is part of Congress, and they have the right, the legal, lawful, guaranteed right to subpoena anyone to appear before them. They could, they could just pick a name out of a phone book, and if they've got any questions, they can get that person in in front of them. Now, Bragg, Bragg is worried because all his backers are looking down at him like, uh, you got to fight this. The problem is he's not going to win. He's going to have to go to Congress. If he doesn't go, he'll have a contempt against him. It's not going to look good for him. The second thing, too, is that now Bragg is in the spotlight, and a lot of people are asking questions that why is the government, the federal government, the Congress, getting this guy in front of them to ask him questions? There's something amiss. So it also taints the ability to get a proper pool of jurors who are not biased either way, because they're, they're going to be tuning in, maybe even your show, maybe to some other show or the news, and they're going to hear uh, Bragg is now before Congress and blah, 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 and they're going to say, gee, there's something funny going on here. It's going to, it's going to taint their, their position. Yeah, you know what? That's, that's a great point. Um, and he's worried that a huge can of worms is going to open up. But guess what? I agree with you. I think uh, that Congress does have jurisdiction to go over it. And he's afraid, exactly like you said, where the dots are going to connect. And this Mark Pomerantz guy, I'm not surprised that Bragg is freaking out because now the Mark Pomerantz guy is no longer in the Manhattan DA's office. So there's even more justification as to why he should answer a subpoena. And I agree everybody should, but especially this is a former worker there. He put out a book critical of it. And so what changed? Um, So what was the sentiment? And I bet you it would be really interesting if Congress could get a hold of some communications between Mark Pomerantz and Bragg. Uh, What did they say? 
What were they saying early on? Oh, we're going to get Trump no matter what. Remember those kind of emails that we heard from those FBI struck? Remember uh, Lisa Page and Peter Strzok, the lovers, remember? It was like, uh, we can't let Brent, uh, Trump be president. I wonder if there's something similar like that in the DA's office. What was Pomeran saying to Bragg? What was Bragg saying back? I bet you some of those information, some of those emails are fair game. And boy, those could be potentially explosives. Any emails, texts, communications, uh, this could open an enormous can of worms and be incredibly embarrassing, potentially. Uh, because look, look what he was saying publicly. Imagine what he was probably saying privately, Phil. Uh, great points. We're going to continue your calls, everybody. 1-800-848-9222. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. are talking about the fact that right now President Trump is swinging back and saying what a mess the world is in. And in many ways, I told you so. And then you got Bragg saying, I ain't going to go. No matter what Jim Jordan is trying to send to him, Jim Jordan is basically saying, we want to subpoena you. We want to get records. Boy, as I just mentioned before the break, I can't wait. I wonder if there are communications that would be fair game. I would think that Congress, at a minimum, first, I would think they'd be able to get, for sure, uh, the testimony, the verbal testimony of people like Pomerant. I would think Bragg, too, potentially. Obviously, Bragg is fighting it with a counter lawsuit, as we know tonight. But can you imagine what kind of communications might be between a Mark Pomerant, who was really close to Bragg, was upset that Bragg wasn't going through with charges, and what kind of personal discussions were going on? They may be fair game. No one's ever tried to sort of bring that into the public realm. And because he is also indeed now a former DA, this could be explosive. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to BJ, line eight. Uh, BJ, can you imagine? And this comes when Jim Jordan is planning on doing uh, basically the hearings next week on crime, on the investigation. Uh, this is getting really explosive, BJ. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, whether whether Alvin Bragg likes it or not, Jim Jordan's coming to town and he has a big story to tell. Um, And I think Jim Jordan should take this show on the road to every blue city in the country. Go to Chicago, San Francisco, go to those tree huggers in the Northwest. Wherever crime is through the roof, he should have hearings like this and expose, uh, you know, these blue D.A.'s. And these uh, George Soros uh, funded uh, state's attorney general. But I do think two things. This guy Pomerantz, apparently there was some intrigue at the palace between him and Bragg. I think uh, Pomerantz, and this is just conjecture, uh, it's in my humble opinion, uh, <clears throat> that uh, Pomerantz probably wanted the, uh, the brass ring, the golden seat there. And maybe this is his way of getting back. At Bragg, but either way, not, I by think the way, BJ, I'm not sure of that. The reason I say that is the DA is an elected position, so I'm not sure. Maybe eventually he wanted it, but he clearly seemed disappointed that at that point Bragg wasn't going through with charges. So the question is, uh, why was he surprised he wasn't going through? He went through the the rare move 
of a former prosecutor publicly basically shaming the DA and the DA's office in that book. And then like, surprise, 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 then Bragg suddenly starts this investigation. So um, it would be interesting to know what was the reasoning that Brad Bragg back then, what were the conversations and what was the reason that he felt uh, maybe Bragg wasn't going forward with it back then? And obviously, did anything change other than a public book or something else or a call from the White House? I mean, who knows what he would say, B.J., right? Well, I agree with that. Uh, but, uh, you know, we definitely need to know what was what what was in that man's mind. But before I go, Curtis C. Lewa should be testifying before Jim Jordan. And he knows every inch, every nook, every cranny. And he can tell the truth on whether or not crime is getting better or crime is getting worse. Well, and by, by the uh, way, and BJ, by the way, I, I hear you because, I mean, obviously, it, you know, the Guardian Angels, Curtis and the Guardian Angels, have been, you know, just stalwart uh, supporters of keeping our streets safe. Uh, no doubt about it. And you're right. The the facts speak for themselves, too. I mean, you look at the numbers and you look at everything that's been going on right now um, on the streets of New York. Yes, do people feel safe. And the bottom line is, BJ, the felonies have been reduced. Fifty two percent of the felonies have been reduced to misdemeanors. Uh, Curtis sees it. I see it. We all see it. Um, and you're right, they're living it every day. So they can talk about uh, the policies, too, that have contributed to it. And there's no doubt that uh, Alvin Bragg's policies have emboldened criminals. I, I think you, it, you know, it takes a two-year-old to figure that out. It is obvious that his policies have been disastrous for New York, uh, disastrous, I think, for this country. And you're seeing a pattern across this country with soft on crime DAs around this country. But very, very well put, BJ. Absolutely. And everybody, when we come back, we are going to continue with your calls and get your take, indeed, on crime in New York, as we've been talking about, which is clearly an issue and we will be on the hot seat next week. But can you believe Alvin Bragg says he doesn't have to testify, nor does anybody else in his office have to testify? Because They are above the law. But Donald Trump, well, I guess you're below the law. That's basically the message from Alvin Bragg, or at least his actions seem to speak that. What are your thoughts, everybody, on if there is any merit to this? And who do you think should testify? That was interesting. BJ thinks Curtis should testify next week. I think a lot of people should testify. That would be a great start, though. 1-800-848-9222. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. In this hour, we are going to shed some new details on the heroic Louisville police. Boy, the body cam came out, and when you see it, it is astounding to see these cops, especially the young officer who, as it turns out, was only on his fourth shift. He had only been technically a sworn-in police officer for 10 days, and he is charging at the gunman who has an assault rifle and is opening fire on the crowd and on the police. It is an astounding moment. 
and we're going to talk about just the heroism of our police officers across the country. They do not get enough thanks, and boy, do they deserve it every single day, and it is truly on display in the Louisville bank shooting. And also, by the way, uh, speaking of law and order, what do you make of the fact that Alvin Bragg is now coming out swinging? He is saying he doesn't have to testify before the congressional hearing. To me, it is amazing that the Manhattan DA is now really going on the offensive. And to me, I think there's really only one reason for it. He clearly does not want to testify before the congressional committee. And he doesn't want anybody else to testify before the congressional committee, including his former colleague, Mark Pomerantz, who wrote a book saying, I don't know why the Manhattan D.A. hasn't gone after Trump, that Trump is basically somebody we just have to stop at all costs uh, because of his philosophy, essentially. And that's not the reason to go after somebody. But Mark Pomeranz basically put something similar to that uh, in his book and basically saying, you know, I think there was reason to take down Trump uh, and Bragg so far at that point had not done it. And soon after that, well, lo and behold, it looks like then the grand jury was called. It was formed. And then the investigation sort of went into full swing. And we now know the history, 34 criminal counts against former President Trump. And so Bragg, as opposed to saying, well, I'm going to go before Congress because this is the first time in American history that indeed uh, that the public has a right to know, that Congress has a right to know. I think it is extenuating circumstances. And a lot of legal experts also say the same thing because it is indeed the first time that a former president in American history has ever been criminally charged. Then that maybe does justify a Manhattan DA or any DA around this country, whoever brought that, to essentially go before Congress and explain it to the American public. Explain what the basis was, uh, what the funds were, what was the effort. Uh, If you don't have anything to hide, why are you hesitating coming? And why are you suddenly blocking not only your, basically, uh, movement of going before the committee, but also the subpoena that went out to your former colleague, Mark Pomerantz, Uh, It could open a Pandora's box for sure. Communications between the two. What did each say? What was the reason that Pomerantz was so angry that Bragg didn't bring it forward before the case? Why does he think Bragg's doing it now? Uh, Some private communications. It could get kind of messy and it could get kind of ugly. But I do think it's important that the American public uh, get some answers because a lot of people are scratching their heads. A lot of even liberal commentators, a lot of attorneys that are basically unbiased attorneys out there saying this case looks weak. This case looks politically motivated. Don't you think that Alvin Bragg owes it to the American public and certainly to the former president of the United States to go and testify and allow others to testify as well and show documentation, show justification. So for history, people can feel good about the process. I say, yes, I think he should. And I think a lot of legal scholars believe he should. He says, well, it's unconstitutional, uh, that it's a separation of powers. Although some federal funds, it doesn't look like a lot, but some federal funds were used in the investigation that could open the door. Uh, I think that I think for sure for the American public to have better understanding as to what he did and to not feel that this was done, you know, in suddenly a dark room in the middle of the night 
uh, or some sort of coordination between the White House and Alvin Bragg. There's a lot of allegations out there. Clear them up. Clear the air. Let's see what you got, Alvin Bragg. You owe it to the former president. You owe it to the American public. And you owe it to history. What are your thoughts, everybody? 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Well, here is President Trump just a little bit ago. This is what he had to say about all these investigations going on around him. He says, uh, again, old Soviet style, and he says he understands where they're coming from, and he ain't going anywhere. Take a listen. The poll numbers have gone through the roof. The people get it. And the other ones are hoaxes also. You know, the box hoax. Look at Biden. He's got 1,850 boxes. And, you know, that's a hoax. And then the one in Atlanta where I had a perfect phone call. This is all weaponization. They're weaponizing our justice system, Tucker. And they think if they go and give you a subpoena, you know, I guess I'm very well known and people understand it and they get it. And maybe I have a bigger platform so I can explain it. But if you're somebody, a Republican, let's say, running for office and you get a subpoena, you might as well resign because you're not going to be able to survive it. And the voters aren't going to handle it. The voters aren't going to take it. What they're doing is weaponizing the system, and there's never been anything like it. And it's all disinformation. All disinformation. And he also says there is nobody else, he believes, that could handle the slings and arrows and all the incoming that he is taking. And he also says that he's been watching the news a lot. And he said there's a lot of people even on the other side of the political aisle, who say this is just one big political persecution. Take a listen. This is Trump just a few minutes ago. I watched some of these. I think it was Andrew McCabe, the FBI guy who I fired. He came out. He said, they've got no case. They've all come out and said it. And by the way, just a little bit ago, uh, I was talking with Alan Dershowitz. He was on the show uh, that a number of you have mentioned that I love doing every day also on the great WABC radio, as you know, 5 to 6 p.m. with John Katsimatidis, the owner-operator of Red Apple Media and great businessman and best-selling author, by the way. I uh, had a big book event tonight, and I understand hundreds of people came out. Uh, we host a show called Cats and Cosby, 5 to 6 p.m. you got to check it out. Every weekday on WABC Radio, you can listen on WABCRadio.com. And we talked to Alan Dershowitz and asked him, what does he think? Does he think that Alvin Bragg has a obligation and a legal obligation basically to testify before Congress? Does Congress have the oversight capability over a DA, over a New York DA? It's an interesting question. Remember, he is one of the top constitutional experts in the world and this is what Professor Alan Dershowitz told us just a little bit ago. Jim Jordan is subpoenaing people to check on 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 Bragg. Uh, that has implications for American foreign policy. The head of El Salvador recently said, "Don't lecture us on democracy. If you have a New York prosecutor trying to put in jail and stop from running against our current president, a man who's you know uh, trying to beat him, that's banana republic." So. I don't think that Jim Jordan will lose his case against Bragg. You never know with a New York judge. But uh, in the end, I think probably Congress does have the power to look into whether or not local prosecutions are having an impact on American foreign policy and the Constitution, whether that's the right committee to do it, 
you know, I leave that to Congress. Very interesting. And again, that is Alan Dershowitz. And he says there are some avenues that he does believe that Congress could have the oversight. And he said, you know, he cited sort of different cases in history. If somebody is a sort of rogue DA with a blatant political bias and the fact that Alvin Bragg came out and said early on in the campaign, I'm going to go get Trump. Um, that actually could show that this is maybe not an impartial DA. And if he's not willing to recuse himself, which he certainly isn't ready to do, he's not even ready to testify, uh, let alone recuse himself, then maybe Congress does have the right. It's an interesting case. And boy, this could go, who knows where this goes. This could go up all the way maybe to the Supreme Court. It may be a question of separation of powers. Uh, We'll see where it goes. But he seems to think that there is justification. So boy, uh, the case is getting really interesting. And President Trump in the middle of it all saying that this is, quote, a Soviet-style attack on me. Basically, show me the man and I'll show you the crime. I'll create the crime. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to uh, line six. Let's go to Tony. Tony, your thoughts about what uh, Trump said. Okay. Well, you know, Rita, it's amazing because as a student of history, one of the first countries I studied who had a Fuhrer was Germany, and his name was Hitler. And he went after all, you know, when he came to power, uh, he went after all his political prisoners first. And then, of course, he went after, went after everyone else who wasn't part of their 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 master race and, and those who, anyone who wasn't in agreement with the Nazis. So what I'm seeing here is that I have a president who has done a phenomenal job and he really has kept our country strong, given it value, given it dignity in the world, and kept us all financially secure and safe. And now he's going to be running again, Rita. And for that reason, I see a little remnant of the Communist Party that likes to get rid of their political enemies. Well, and, 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 you know, I hear what you're saying. I, you know, on one hand, obviously, I, I, I sort of hate the sort of Hitler analogy. Not you, Tony, by any means. I think your point's a great uh, and a good intent. Um, because obviously what Hitler did was so abominable. But I think the sort of creating the crime, um, or going after your political enemies, um, just in general. He started there, Rita. Oh, no. By the way, by the way, Tony, my father fought uh, uh, the Nazis. My father, I don't know if you know, my father was a freedom fighter in Poland. Uh, So I know I know the history all too well. So I totally hear what you're saying. And in fact, you're right. At first, uh, you know, they removed, um, you know, many of the political opponents uh, obviously did it on a very deadly level. um, But they also shut down schools. They shut down water. They shut down education. They shut down information. Um, So. You know, some of the some of the layers, I hear what you're saying. Obviously, it's a very, you know, strong implication. I don't like to compare anybody to Hitler, but I will certainly say that Bragg uh, certainly seems to be politically motivated over the top, trying to, uh, you know, and I think the Democratic Party throwing everything at, you know, at Trump. His analogy, I think, of sort of the old Soviet process, and he was sort of referring to, you know, uh, one of the old prosecutors there who said, basically, uh, you know, show me the man. I'll show you the crime. I'll create a crime. I just don't like this person. I'm going to come up with something. Um, and that seems to be, I think, uh, a better analogy. But I hear where you're going. It's disturbing and it is troubling. 
And I think Americans overall should be very troubled. Um, let's go to uh, Alana real quick. Line two. Alana, your thoughts. Oh, my God, Rita, you're awesome. Um, I tell you, I, I got so upset in Afghanistan, you know, when Afghanistan with the animals, uh, with the soldiers. There were so many people, do you know, on Facebook trying to get permission to get the animals over here. Do you know that? Yeah, I do. By the way, I remember I interviewed some of the people because they just left everybody and everything, every living being high and dry. And it was heartbreaking. But but let's talk about the bigger picture, because I understand it was heartbreaking. The fact that all Mm -hmm. the weaponry and and it was so careless that animals were left behind. Allies were left behind. um, Mm -hmm. You know, Americans left behind. Uh, billions yep. of dollars of equipment that's now probably in Chinese Russian hands. Um, you have two real quick, Alana. I'll give you a few seconds. Go ahead. Yeah, just think about it. Why wouldn't this country, even the CDC, let these animals come home? Okay, they were brutalized at the airport. Okay, some of them did finally come home. Okay, but this is Biden's fault. Just like the soldiers dying, everybody is suffering because of Biden. People are dying because of the Democrats. You know what I'm saying? Well, I think uh, the pullout, first of all, was abominable. And you're right. The poor animals were left high and dry um, and, and were brutalized and just horrible stories of what happened to them. Um, also, the Afghans who were helping us were brutalized. I mean, they're, you know, to be left with the Taliban, I can't think of a worse fate. Um, and Alana, it is it is absolutely heartbreaking. It's disgusting. And it didn't have to be that way. That's the thing. And that was one of the points that Trump was bringing up tonight, too, as well. A lot of thank you very much. We're going to continue with your calls. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. And Alvin Bragg suing Congressman Jim Jordan, who's head of the House Judiciary Committee, for his investigation of Bragg. And this is what Jim Jordan had to say about the New York DA. They're obstructing our investigation, Brett. We have a constitutional duty to get to the facts, particularly when you have a district attorney interfering with the most important election we have, which is election of the commander in chief, the president of the United States. And understand what happened here. Alvin Bragg used federal funds to indict a former president for no crime. And then when we ask questions about it, when we want to investigate, he takes us to court. And he takes us to court because we want to talk to someone who left the DA's office a year ago, who went out and wrote a book on this very subject, did all kinds of interviews, was pushing to go after President Trump before he got there, while he got there. When he left, he wrote a book about it. And we're not allowed to talk to him to do our duty. They're obstructing our constitutional duty to do oversight. Yeah, and that's what Congress is supposed to do. And guess what? Fair play. And boy, are there a lot of questions. When you go after the former president of the United States, I think you should go before Congress. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to John. Line six. John, your thoughts about this? Yes. Hi, Rita. How are you tonight? And I I just want to say, you know, you get all these talking heads and Mr. Dershowitz. I love his constitutional aspect of everything. But Somebody's got to come out and say, you know, there's a violation of the the code of professional responsibilities that attorneys take. And Alan Alvin Bragg or whatever his name is, he he came out and he ran under the uh, the guise of saying, oh, I'm going to get Trump. 
And, you know, nobody brings that up. Any good attorney, any good constitutional person, I would love to represent Donald Trump because I got, I got, you know, I don't like injustice. But and you know what, John? Um, by the way, his attorneys have brought that up. I brought it up, uh, but his attorneys have brought it up, and I think you bring up a great point because I think that that is definitely going to be grounds for them to try to get at least Bragg recused. And also, you can hear Jim Jordan has been saying that too as reasons why he should be investigated. I mean, what kind of a guy campaigns on that? Uh, going after Trump, not crime. Going after Trump. Uh, let's go to Alice. Uh, in Ohio. Uh, John sounds like he would be a great attorney, by the way, Alice. Go ahead, John. Go ahead, Alice. Uh, Alvin Bragg is a bully. He will fold up like a wet spider in front of Jim Jordan. He's scared of him. He won't be able to handle it, and he knows it. Ah, that's interesting. So you think that Jim Jordan would certainly be able to grill. I, by the way, Bragg couldn't handle reporters. Did you see that last yeah. week, Alice, when the reporters yeah. and it wasn't even it was like, you know, easy reporters saying uh, this doesn't make any sense. Where's the other crime? Uh, 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 uh. Um, where's the what, what did you how did you come to this conclusion? Uh, 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 uh. I thought he you're you're right. I don't think he could handle Jim Jordan and, and a whole bunch of others on the committee, by the way, Alice, too. No, he doesn't even sound like he believes what he's in what he's doing. He's yeah. scared to death. Yeah. Jim Jordan has a strong personality. I love watching him. I'm so proud he's from Ohio. Well, you're right. And you are from Ohio, too, girlfriend. So that's fabulous. It's a good state. We love Ohio. And definitely there's some fire in Jim Jordan. We're going to continue with your calls, everybody, after the break. What do you think? Is Alvin Bragg afraid of Jim Jordan or afraid of his colleagues talking to him? This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. The Rita Cosby Show presents Support Our Heroes. And in tonight's Support Our Heroes segment, a powerful story about a 99-year-old World War II veteran Clayton Baum coming from California, where he was awarded as a knight in the Order of the Legion of Honor, which is the highest honor from France. It is an honor created by Napoleon Bonaparte over 220 years ago. Pretty incredible. And veteran Baum was honored and recognized for his pivotal role in French-American history as he was part of the brave troops who fought and defended the liberation of France. Now, the Consul General of France in L.A. said it is the highest and most prestigious French award a person can receive. Mr. Baum, France has not forgotten the American young men like you who demonstrated their selfless generosity and unwavering bravery while under fire from the enemy. Now, by the way, drafted into the U.S. Army in 1943, a few months later, Baum landed at Utah Beach in Normandy, France, just days after D-Day. He then served with the service battery of the 268th Field Artillery Division. And Baum said that he had just one message to others. Love America. It is one of the greatest countries. Take care of it. Be proud of it. And don't run it down. Wow, what a very powerful message from a veteran who was there in Normandy just days after D-Day. And so beautiful to see that 99-year-old 
Clayton Baum of the L.A. area there in California was just awarded one of the highest honors ever from France. And bravo to him and all of our great and incredibly brave American troops who landed there on D-Day and soon afterwards to not just free France, but to free the world. Well, we are talking, of course, about the investigation of President Trump by Alvin Bragg. And now Alvin Bragg, the New York DA, says he doesn't have to answer to anybody. And he's even suing Jim Jordan, who's the head of the committee. Now, Alice from Ohio was saying when she just called in a few moments ago, I love Alice who calls in. I love all your calls, guys. Alice just said that she thinks that Jim Jordan would just so uh, outdo Bragg, that Bragg would be scared to go before Jim Jordan and the committee. And that is what Senator John Kennedy of Louisiana also said. Take a listen, as only Senator Kennedy can say it. I love this guy. He's, I went to school in the South, so I love these Louisiana sayings. Here you go. My guess is Mr. Bragg will not try this lawsuit himself. A good criminal defense attorney, based on what I've seen so far, will take his head off. So he doesn't want to be naked and alone, not literally, but figuratively, in front of a a congressional committee having to answer tough questions. And here's a little bit more of what Senator Kennedy thinks of D.A. Alvin Bragg, who brought the indictment against Trump. Pre-committing the issue of whether Mr. Bragg should be called before Congress, I have uh, I've watched Mr. Bragg. Um, it's clear he is not exactly uh, Oliver Wendell Scalia. My guess is he is scared to come before Congress. I watched Mr. Bragg's press conference after he announced his indictment. Uh, he was not impressive. I have read his indictment. Um, legal scholars much more um, qualified than I have have criticized it as being an inferior document. Uh, I read it. It looked to me like as a legal product, someone knocked over a urine sample. <laughs> Somebody knocked over a urine sample. I love Senator Kennedy. And then this is how we sized up Bragg's fight against crime and fight against the police, sadly, too. Take a listen. In my opinion, Mr. no, Mr. Bragg is a uh, politician first. Uh, he is not um, an impartial member of the criminal justice system. He has demonstrated that. He has ignored the rule of law in terms of prosecuting people who break the law mm-hmm. in New York. And except with respect to the allegations about Mr. Trump, I think Mr. Bragg believes that cops are a bigger problem than criminals. Wow, that is a great analogy. And what a sad testament that is to the situation in New York. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Stan on line four. Stan, your thoughts. Good evening. Good evening. Uh, <laughs> Good evening. Go ahead, Stan. Yeah, okay. I'm ready. I thought you were going to say something. No, I was going to let you. I was going to see what you were going to say after "Good oh. evening." If it was a great evening, maybe. Well, but go you ahead. Know what? Let me first say uh, about Jim Jordan. Uh, poor Alice uh, 
said that he has a great personality. Jim Jordan has the personality of an insurance adjuster. That tells you who he is. And he's got more to answer in Washington in the next couple of months. Uh, so Alice needs to go back to Wonderland as far as I'm concerned. You don't know what she's talking Jim about. Jim Jordan's a spitfire. Yeah, but Alvin Bragg, if that's the case, Alvin Bragg. Oh, no, no, wait a minute. Alvin, not, you Bragg's, know, not, you Alvin know I Bragg's got the personality of an IRS agent, but go you, ahead. You know you know, I wasn't for this case. You know I was consistent. I'm not for this case. I don't think it's going to go. But uh, Jim Jordan ain't going nowhere. It's a publicity stunt. He has nothing on uh, this guy. He can't do anything to him. Uh, he has no jurisdiction. Actually, he may have jurisdiction. I because don't think he does. Stan, Stan no. hang on. Uh, yeah. The only reason I bring it up is a number of legal constitutional experts in particular say that because there were some federal funds that they may open up the door. And also, Bragg did come out and say, hey, my campaign, basically, my objective is to get Trump, not get the bad guys off the street. He did say that multiple times. So you got that. You can say, you know, politically motivated. That's an unusual thing for any prosecutor to say. Um, and then step forward to say there were some federal funds. There actually may be. And it's the first time an American president has actually obviously been criminally charged. There's some extenuating circumstances here, Stan. Uh, I, my deepest sympathy for the uh, ex-president. But uh, it was oh, on yeah. tonight. But by the way, Stan, that sounds so sincere. You know that. <laughs> yeah. you, know, you know that with a 10-foot ball. ball. <laughs> by the way, uh, Katz and Cosby's people, you're thinking people should testify? Rita Cosby should testify. Mr. Casamitidis should testify. All the people on Katz and Cosby, because they're all talking to themselves anyway, and they have a good time. they got good ratings. I know that. We but have great ratings. Can... And by the way, Stan, obviously you haven't listened enough. I did. I did by the way, much. we've had Governor Patterson on. We've had, we've had a lot of people on. He's a Democrat, by the way, Stan. Maybe you don't know that, but go ahead. Had him on for about 10 seconds. No, we uh, actually have him on like several times a week. But anyway, go that's ahead, okay. Stan. That's okay. I, listen, I mean, listen more closely, Stan. I heard All right. you. I've All heard right. you. Uh, you're the host. I've heard you, and uh, I've heard your boss, and so forth, and so forth. But, uh, they should all testify. I mean, you know, uh, Republicans can testify Republicans. This is all a publicity stunt, and nothing's going to happen from it, because if it opens up this bag, that means it can go the other way, too. Well, so and, I, by, I and by the way, uh, let's just even talk about the bag that's going here. I actually think there could be grounds, given the circumstances, maybe even if it's not Bragg who testifies, maybe there's some, at least some others who will, like this Mark Pomerantz, and that could be explosive. If he has to hand over emails, text messages, a variety of things, Stan, uh, that may not be pretty for uh, Mr. Bragg because there could be communications in there with him and others uh, that, by the way, that guy's no longer there at the office. That's Mark Pomerantz, guy who wrote the book. So that's an interesting case. But, Stan, I love you, and I always appreciate hearing from you. Uh, let's go to Joe, line seven. Joe, uh, give me some uh, give me some hope after that one. Go ahead. I've got a lot of hope. First of all, I'm going to hit your rapid fire, my love, and then you respond. First of all, Stunato uh, Stam should be charged uh, criminally for a criminal impersonation of a human being. Now, what oh, another, another by the thing, way, by the way, b- I, before you go, just because uh, Stan is not here. Um, you know, Stan's got a little bit of a lovable side to him. I mean, you know, he did admit that he d- he did admit this time, Joe, that he didn't feel the in- indictment was correct, that he thought it was, you know, over the top. But he still thinks Trump should go through the process because he doesn't like Trump. So uh, there's no logic there. But go ahead anyway, Joe. And you're going to hit you with some bombshells also. Now, um, as you said, um, Alvin Bragg thinks he's above the law. He is not. He's definitely above 300 pounds. But the bottom line is this, my love, is that 
It's tearing the country apart. It, it's third. It's it's billions of dollars. Still no uh, city-run retirement home for American veterans in New York. And listen to this. Two good things I'm going to let you know. Something positive. A 102-year-old FDNY World War II military veteran, Anthony Aquano on Staten Island, was honored in his 102nd birthday last month. You should feature this in upcoming stories. It was in the Staten Island event. And his beautiful wife of 80 years, Gloria, was with him. Children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren. And yet the mayor wasn't there. The governor wasn't there. Now, Mike Guadana from Staten Island, he was a firefighter hurt in January. He came out of the hospital about a month ago, and the mayor wasn't there. The cardinal wasn't there. The governor wasn't there. Now, let me ask you, by the, by the way, Joe, um, not to deviate too much, but, but you know how much I love. Were there a lot of folks, obviously, from uh, the community and fire department? And I agree. It would have been nice to see some of those other people there, too, for sure, because you know how much I, I appreciate our folks, especially our folks who are there on the front lines like them. Uh, were there other folks in the community, I hope? were a few, a few of the local politicians. What, by the way, what is the guy's little, name again, Joe? I want to make sure we give him a shout-out. What was his name again? Mike Guidera, G-U-I-D-E-R-A. Mike his beautiful Gu- wife and his two... Yes. Mike Guidera. Uh, was- well, Joe, I want to make sure we give a big shout-out to Mike Guidera and, of course, his great service to our community. We love you. We appreciate you. And, Joe, thank you also for bringing it up, too, because it is important that we acknowledge it 1,000%. Thank you very much, Joe. You always have such beautiful stuff. Uh, Let's go to Wendy, line six. Wendy, your thoughts about all this as we're talking first off about Bragg and Jordan. Yeah, hey there. Good evening, Rita. I just want to say that Stan's a zero and Jim Jordan's a hero. All you have to do is take a look at how he helped to unravel the whole Russian hoax. He wasn't permitted to be on the January 6th committee. And now he's defending the people of the United States and President Trump. I think he also should call Nancy Pelosi and uh, uh, what's the other one, the Republican? Which one are Uh, you talking about? I'm not sure uh, where you're headed. You know, in front, you know, to have them explain why they refused President Trump's request for 10,000, you know, guards people to help out with, um, you know, January 6th. The uh, very. By the way, you know, I, I agree that it would be interesting to get there's still a lot of questions. You're right about January 6th. We never got the answers why apparently uh, Nancy Pelosi and her office turned down extra security. It, it does. It just does not make any sense. And we need to get to the bottom of it. And, and clearly the Democrats don't want to talk about that. They don't want to talk about the Trump investigation. It seems like it is completely par for the course. Uh, let's go to Norm real quick. Line eight. Norm, your thoughts. Yes, Rita. Yeah, obviously, Bragg needs to account for why he's conducting this witch hunt against citizen Trump. But, I, you know, I, I live in New York. I just like to point out to your syndicated audience everything that's going on very quickly, uh, stemming from our New York City Council, Bragg, things like defunding the police, uh, legalizing hiring of criminals to run marijuana shops, housing illegal migrants in luxury hotels and giving them cell phones. And now... I'm very upset about this, banning the sale of guinea pigs. Uh, This apparently is what they're using our taxpayer dollars to do. So, you know. By the way, Norm, you forgot about gas stoves, right? Trying to ban gas stoves. You know, you can add some other things to the list. But you're right. There is a preoccupation with all these things that are so out of uh, kilter. 
Um, and and also yet there's still also uh, a sense from many people in the police department that feel demoralized and feel frustrated. Uh, by the way, I want to um, end the show tonight with just a, a beautiful tribute also to the cops in Louisville, um, because as we are talking about crime skyrocketing, and it's a huge problem, uh, as Norm just pointed out in New York, and the focus seems to be on all this other woke stuff, and yet what about fighting crime? Um, the Louisville police, they just put out the body cam footage from that shooter. Remember, this is from the officers, of course, who went on the scene. But it's when they came to the scene and they saw the shooter at the bank. Um, and this is extraordinary. Um, I just want to have you here because at a time, you can imagine, there's an AR-15. It's opening fire on the cops as they're pulling in, continuing to fire. And cops are running towards the gunfire. Take a listen to a little bit of the body cam footage. Just came out a little bit ago. Wow, that is so unbelievably powerful. By the way, uh, Hero Cop, he had only been on the job 10 days, four shifts, 26 years old, and he is clinging to life tonight. Uh, When we come back, I want to take your calls about how tough it is to be a cop these days. And as we've been talking about, Bragg, the revolving door of justice. You heard Senator Kennedy say uh, that uh, he thinks cops are a bigger problem than criminals. That's Senator Kennedy's assessment of Alvin Bragg. We need to thank our lucky stars that there are great cops like those in Louisville and on the streets of New York and every major city across this country that have the guts to charge a gunman who is opening fire in their direction and running towards the bullets, not running away. 1-800-848-9222. The Rita Cosby Show. Tonight, the Louisville officer, the rookie, Nick Wilt, is fighting for his life. Of course, he was shot in the head by the gunman who opened fire at the bank. It turns out that the gunman was an employee who was about to be fired and wasn't happy about it. Obviously, had some mental history prior to this, too, as well. Uh, but was able to legally buy a gun because he wasn't committed, you know, wasn't in a mental hospital or anything like that, but did talk about some of his mental problems, did just recently buy a gun. Um, and also the body cam footage that we have seen is showing nothing short of heroics from the Louisiana officers, especially this officer, as I mentioned, Nick Wilt, who had only been four shifts on the job. Four shifts. He had literally been sworn in 10 days ago. He's a 26-year-old. And his trainer is a guy named Corey Galloway. Galloway is the guy who actually uh, shot and took out uh, the gunman. Um, But both of them were charging, as you just heard from that footage. It is unbelievable to hear the audio of them running towards the shooter, Connor Sturgeon. And Galloway is the one who actually gave the fatal blow and took out Sturgeon. And thank goodness they got there within three minutes. Had it been longer, boy, imagine how many more people might have lost their lives. Thank goodness for these heroic cops who were, by the way, being shot at 
apparently, the, the, you see it in the footage, that as they're driving up, they're being shot at by the gunman who's firing at police officers. He didn't care who he was shooting at. He was shooting at the police officers, and they still kept running towards him. Uh, talk about guts of steel, and thank goodness we have such great heroic men and women in blue. I am always so appreciative of the police. I know all of you are, too. But when you see this footage and you find out that this one young cop who's only been four shifts as a cop, literally just a few days on the job and had those kind of guts, we are lucky to have men and women like that living among us. Uh, Let's go to Mike, line six. Uh, Your thoughts about all this, Mike? Hey, Rita. Hi. Good evening. You know, I can't help but wonder, where's all the news coverage of this heroic police officer uh, you know, if it had been, for example, um, someone who was shot and killed at a, as a protester, quote unquote, at a Black Lives Matter protest, it'd be wall to wall coverage. Is there wall to wall coverage of, of, of the heroic act, as you as you described, of this police officer? Now, I that's wonder. a great question. There's There's been a little, but you're right. There should be even more. Um, it should be wall to wall. Just like you said, the, the comparison, you're right. Uh, it was like 24 seven on the other stuff. And this should be equal because not only that, these like th- these guys and gals uh, that are out there every single these are such role models for young kids to look up to. And and anytime anybody says, oh, you know, or trashes the cops or says any of the or even these crazy defund the police comments that I hear all the time, uh, show them this footage and you would be kissing the ground every day knowing that there was a police officer in the area at that moment. Um, and we are lucky, but you're right. It should be shown every single time. Uh, and it should be shown in training videos too, to say, this is what you need to do. If you, this is what it takes to be an officer. And, uh, you have to have those kind of guts because thank God they did. And they saved so many lives. Mike, thanks. Great points. Let's go to Robert, line two. Robert, your thoughts about all this. Hi, Rita. Oh, yes. It takes guts, boy. I met a. Border Patrol officer. He said, you can't be a cop anymore. Well, thank God there are officers like this one. Yeah, 1,000%. Bravo, bravo, bravo. I absolutely agree, Robert. Thank you so much. Let's go to Jacqueline. Um, Jacqueline, your thoughts first off on the officer. This is really amazing and, and extraordinary to see their heroism and their guts. Well, first of all, I hope that he uh, pulls through, number yes. one. Yes, yes. And, um, you know, this is just another example, as you accurately stated, of our law enforcement being heroes. They don't think of themselves. They go in, they do their job, they do what they have to do. And I just hope that this young, uh, courageous, heroic officer will be able to live out the rest of his life expectancy normally without any negative implications from this terrible shooting. Yeah, 1,000%. And and I hope he gets uh, uh, huge standing ovations from young kids for the rest of his life. He needs to go speak, by the way, I think into every single classroom out there and say, this is what heroism is. This is a noble profession. This is a great profession. Because we need to get more and more cops on the beat. We don't need them to be discouraged and getting out there. Jacqueline, everybody, thank you so much. Let's pray for Officer Nicholas Wilt and all our great men and women in blue. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, 
you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.